Hi, I'm Jill. In this episode of The Vibe, we're going to listen to a discussion between Dr Anne French and Dr Chris Ennis talking about what it's like to study a science subject. Hello, I'm Anne French and I'm the Associate Dean for Marketing Recruitment at the School of Health and Life Science at Teesside University. Um, and I'm joined today by uh, Chris Ennis, who's a Principal Lecturer in Marketing Recruitment. And Chris is going to answer some of the commonly asked questions that we get around our science courses at Open Day and, and our frequently asked questions. So hi Chris. Hi Anne, it's uh, nice to be with you. Thank you. So we've got a, a few questions that um, often come up on our Open Days. Sure. Um, so our first one is around um, What's the difference between crime scene science and forensic science? Hey, that's a really good question, because those courses are often, uh, we, we think of them together, students study quite a lot of modules together on those two courses, and it isn't clear, perhaps until you look closely, what the differences are between those two courses. And one of the good ways to really understand what the difference is, is to think about what sort of jobs one might do as a forensic scientist or as a crime scene scientist. So really the big distinction is the amount of laboratory work in the career. So the forensic scientist is very likely to find themselves working on a day-to-day -day basis in a science laboratory, conducting experiments on evidence that's been recovered from crime scenes and using those experimental results to support the police in the solving of crimes and the building of cases against individuals or against against groups of criminals. That's largely the day-to-day -day work of the forensic scientist, although the forensic scientist will also find themselves presenting evidence in court, visiting crime scenes to secure evidence. But the majority of the work will be as a laboratory-based scientist, um, maybe doing analytical chemistry or analytical biology, um, looking at fibres, looking at the chemistry of paint or glass, maybe um, investigating body fluids and, and, and DNA and making sure that this, this sample of, of tissue has come from this human um, or not. Whereas the crime scene scientist, really their day-to-day -day role is being on site at the crime scene, securing the evidence. So they really understand what it is that evidence will consist of at a crime scene, how that evidence will present itself at the crime scene and how they can best recover it without compromising whether or not that evidence can be used in court. So, and evidence of course at a crime scene can be in all sorts of different locations on different surfaces, different textured materials. The evidence can be of different natures. It may be hair, it might be fluff, it might be blood, etc. Clothing, all sorts of things. Fingerprints of course is what we naturally think of. So the crime scene scientist is the person you're going to think of, the, the CSI, the person in the paper suit the white suit at the crime scene, dusting for fingerprints, looking through a magnifying glass, trying to understand, you know, has this, has this murder happened in the way I think it's happened, or, you know, what's happened here, which direction was the car driving when it made impact with the lamppost, those sorts of questions. There, that's a really, really good distinction between, yeah. the, between the two different courses. So, um, if I was to uh, apply to a course at, at Teesside on, on doing both of those things, sure. well, how would you support, how would you be supported to develop those skills? Is, you mentioned lots of lab work, so right. is there lots of practical lab 
work that you would need to do? There is a lot of practical lab work that you'd need to do and there's also the theory to support that lab work. So a lot of the, for instance, the analytical chemistry or the analytical biology is, is dependent upon the knowledge of atoms, molecules, DNA, cells and those sorts of things. But also, uh, and, and that's very much the work of the scientist, um, but also the forensic scientist and the crime scene scientist, they need to work in, in the context of the crime. And so a lot of the work that our students do on those courses is practical work, but in maybe a laboratory which is full of vehicles that have, in which there's a mocked up crime, maybe a crash, maybe an abduction, or perhaps they're working in the crime scene house where there's maybe a bar with a, a person who's been, I don't know, hit over the head with a bottle of beer um, lying on the floor and they're needing to investigate the, the nature of that crime. Or there's a bedroom in which there's been some sort of, I don't know, a theft, a burglary. So we have a variety of facilities which develop those practical skills in our students, both the very formal analytical science skills, that's using analytical equipment, it's making complex and accurate measurements in a, in a controlled laboratory environment, but also developing the skills of those evidence-based recovery skills from the messy real world of where crime happens. And we, we have um, a range of contexts in which we explore those, those skills and develop those skills in students. Okay, that yeah. sounds really exciting, the crime scene house. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic <laughs> degree. Both of them are fantastic from that point of view of being really excited about the science that you're mm. doing and seeing actually and the, um, the result of the science that you're doing because actually you're contributing very positively to society. Mentioned a lot there about um, science and, and, and obviously and atoms and lab right. work and things. Yes. So if, does, does an applicant have to have a science background before doing both of these degrees? It would be inappropriate to study these courses without a science background. Yeah, so you need to have um, an A-level or equivalent in, in some scientific subject, absolutely. So to know the difference between atoms and molecules, to have some understanding of DNA and of the sorts of processes that happen in, in biology and cells and etc. Is a, is a prerequisite, yeah. Another course that, you, that, that we have within the School of mm. Health and Life Science is Geography. Yes. So if I studied a Geography degree, what could you do with that? That's a good question also. Now, the, the thing with the Geography degree, in contrast perhaps to the Crime Scene Science degree, one might do a Crime Scene Science degree because one was interested in working with the police to solve crimes. Geography is... is a much broader education in science in general. If you consider that geography really cuts across a lot of sciences, so to understand earth processes you need to know some physics, you need to know some chemistry, biology play, plays a very important part in, in, in the natural environment of, as well of course, and also you need to understand how people interact with the environment, not just technologically, so of course we, we, we burn fossil fuels and pollute the atmosphere with CO2 and, and drive climate change, but we also interact with the environment by building cities and by uh, congregating in groups and moving and interacting at a social level. So, so geography really covers all of those aspects and it's a very multidisciplinary field. The result of that is that a geography graduate has a wide choice of, of careers to go into. So typically a geographer will work in, well, often they'll find themselves in environmental consultancy, so that's working with businesses and with industries to work out um, the impact of industrial activity on the environment 
and to mitigate the environmental consequences of industry. That's a really important um, aspect of the environmental um, scientist and the geographer. Geographers will also find themselves working in policy environments, um, so working with government at local and national level to understand how to construct laws and legislation to protect the environment. And geographers will also, of course, a, a key and important aspect of, of um, employment for geographers today is in understanding our impact on the environment with respect to climate change mm. and, and working also in renewable energies. Um, that's really the future for the geographer, isn't it? <coughs> we know that in, you know, the, the big challenge for, for our generation and, and, the, and the, the young generation is, is, to, is to continue to prosper economically, but also to, to, to solve these challenges, that we have these big global challenges that ultimately are geography challenges, they're challenges mm -hmm. of the Earth system and the science of the Earth system. So it sounds like there's lots of opportunities um, employment-wise yes. if, if you undertake geography. Um, in terms of the actual course itself, you yes. mentioned field work. And right. Is that part of the course as well? Do you, do you get to go, the opportunity to go out in different environments? Yes, of course. It was a really important uh, aspect of, of, the, um, of the geography course. And again, sort of in, in contrast perhaps to to some of the other science courses where the majority of the work is laboratory based, the geographer will also find themselves doing laboratory work, but a significant amount of their, of their practical experience will be going out into different environments, um, hill environments, river, coastal environments, forests, grasslands, and, and understanding the impacts of um, human activity on those environments, the impacts of land use, on, on those mm. environments and the interactions within the environment, the interactions, uh, the importance of the underlying geology to the to the overlying usefulness of land to humans and 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 so on. So our geographers spend a lot of time in the environment, and we're very fortunate actually in Teesside because we sit in a, a sort of in an area geographically between a variety of different geographical types. So we've got the North York Moors right on our doorstep. We've got a range of coastline, including sandy beaches and cliffs. We have a number of different river systems um, of um, different qualities in the sense that those rivers are both um, high up in the hills and fast flowing and also low down in the, on the plains and meandering and passing through areas of significant industrial and, um, and urban uh, intensity. So the, the impacts of, of all of those different environments are mm. studied by our geographers in their, in their field work. Okay, yeah. that's great. So um, a few of the courses that, that, that we offer at Teesside um, are, have are very similar in terms of the names. So, yes. so how would you choose between biology, human biology, Biomedical science. <laughs> yes. What is the difference between those <laughs> those three, and and how would how would I know which one would right. be best suited for me? Right. That again, a really good question because those courses do sound very similar. <coughs> Essentially, they start with bio, <laughs> and at, at sixth form or at college or or in other um, sort of level three educational environments, of course, we we study generally biology if we're interested in the biosciences. So it is difficult, I think, to, for, for, for applicants to understand what the differences are between those courses. Perhaps the best place to start there is with biomedical science. And then I'll come back round through mm. to biology because I think most people understand what biology is. So the contrasts are going to be 
important here. So the biomedical scientist, well really this is a person who, you'll find the biomedical scientist working in a laboratory, but a special type of laboratory that's also in a hospital. So this is the application of biology to helping the medical profession to understand disease. So really the biomedical scientist is working in a laboratory setting, dealing with clinical samples, and is looking to understand um, what, what the signals are of disease and what the, how to track the course of people getting better. So they're working very closely with doctors and nurses, um, analysing clinical samples to understand how ill somebody is and how well they're getting. And what sort of samples would they be analysing? Well, they'll be analysing biological samples and clinical samples, so that will be biopsy material, it'll be blood, of course, it'll be other, other um, um, body fluids, um, say biopsy material, so skin cells, um, uh, cells from, um, from internal organs, maybe cancerous cells. Right. It'll be really those, those um, very, yeah, I suppose, clinical samples. Right. Yeah. And if I did biomedical science, right. that's the sort of employment that I would be in. Yeah, I mean, sort of biomedical science is the course for you if you like hospitals and you like laboratories, right. because that's really where you're going to be working. Right. I mean, not that said, there's a large um, and flourishing um, research environment within biomedical science, mm. of course, because a, a big thrust of our biosciences research in the UK is about understanding uh, modern approaches to disease management and health management. And the biomedical scientist is, is plugged right into that research activity. But the, the general work, if you're, if you're interested and excited by hospitals, but you also you don't really want to be a doctor or a nurse, you want to be a scientist, then biomed is, is absolutely a course to consider. And, and if you undertake that course, yes. do you have the opportunity of going into a hospital? Do you have any placements in that? Yes, we do have some placements right. and opportunities. We have some close ties with, with the local hospitals and, um, and also some of the research projects that we, that we offer students will have interactions with some of the clinicians in, in the local hospitals. Um, and that brings, sort of, if we back out one more level, we get to biology itself, which is, a, again, a sort of broader subject. So the biologist will study some of what we've been discussing already, of course, so they'll understand endocrinology, endocrinology, I should say. They'll understand um, epidemiology, the, the study of how illness happens within societies. But they'll also understand things like ecology in, in grasslands, which is something that neither the human biologist nor the biomedical scientist will be, will be focusing on. So the biologist will understand a much broader context of biology, perhaps look at the biology of plants as well as the biology of, of mammals, and focus also more um, deeply on the biology of microorganisms. Of course, those uh, studies are, are pertinent to human biology and to biomedical science, but the um, the study of microbiology will be broader within a biology degree. Mm. If you think about it, actually, the, the, um, the amount of biomass on the planet, um, if, you, if you could sort of weigh everything that was alive on the planet, most of that would be microorganisms. So the importance of the microorganism to biology is, 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 is vast. And it's something of an, of an unexpected notion that the majority of things on the planet are are single-celled organisms mm. um, living in the sea or on the land and those are the sorts of studies that the biologist will look into 
um, that will make this subject distinct from human biology mm. or from biomedical science, mm. and particularly the ecology of those sorts of systems and, and uh, evolutionary biology of this broader tree of life. So you said very clearly what you could right. do when you're a, when you're a, um, if you do bio, biomedicine. Yes. What about if you did um, human biology or biology? What sort of jobs would you expect to career, uh, you know, yes, to go into? to career you, into. Yeah, <laughs> to career into. But what would you do? Because I think that the, the biomedicine bio sounds, it, it seems very, very clear in terms it's, of its pathway and, it's very and where, yeah, and where your employment would be. Yeah. But you know, if I if I study biology or human biology, where where would I get a job? Yeah. So I think again, with the biology and the human biology courses, we see the graduate from those courses as being a specialist in their subject, but also a generalist in that they are numerate and literate. They can read, write, and count at a degree level, and they're able to synthesise information from across a broad range of of um, of context. And so, whilst you would of course expect biologists to find work in medical settings and in research settings to do with biology and also in industrial settings where biology is important. I'll pause there and just explore that idea because increasingly our industry in the UK is focused around the bio-industries. So we're very interested in the UK in developing um, foods and medicines that have got their basis in biology. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because we're looking to limit and to mitigate the resource impacts of our, of our production systems. So the biologist plays a really important role in those high technology industries. And of course biologists are also very important in agriculture and in food production across the piece, um, as well as in understanding our urban and rural and natural environments. So the biologists will find themselves in all of those sorts of contexts, working maybe in co nature conservation institutions, maybe in hospitals as, as a biologist involved in perhaps understanding the, the why skeletons go wrong when mm -hmm. people do repetitive, repetitive movements in sport or, or etc. So a really broad range of um, careers within the biosciences, ranging from high-tech industries through to medical support but also outside of that, because of this high degree of numeracy and literacy that we generate in our graduates. We find our biology graduates and our human biology graduates working in teaching, in policy, in local government, in, in, in industry, in management, in, in, in a wide range of, of sectors that aren't necessarily using their core science skills, but are using those more sort of employability skills that they that they've, they've learnt and honed during their degree, mm. particularly in management. Mm. And do you have any placement opportunities in those two degrees? Yes, yeah. so we, again we have good ties to, to local industries um, and, and local organisations that deal with, um, with nature conservation and with um, the, the bio-based industries. In the northeast of England there's a very strong um, bio-based industry development with some very, very highly um, globalised, well-established companies, and also some smaller companies, mm. uh, um, startups that are that are really energetic and exploring um, radical new concepts in biology, and and we have we have really good ties to to across that that range of of, uh, of industries. So um, 
we offer a, a variety of, of, of food courses here yes. at Teesside and um, I'm just wondering can a degree in food science and technology prepare um, an, a student to become a dietitian? Is that a possibility? Ah, that's a really good question. So a dietitian is somebody who really works in the health service mm. thinking about diet and how diet affects health, well-being and recovery. Um, now that's a very specialist health-related field and actually um, a, a degree in food science and, and technology wouldn't immediately suit you for a career as a dietitian. Um, it, it would enable you to convert to a dietitian through study, for instance, you, you, may, you may graduate from your, uh, your BSc in, in a food-related subject and then take a master's, Master of Science course in, in dietetics and that would be a, a good route into to becoming a dietitian. Now we offer such a course at Teesside, we have a MSc dietetics and we can take people from our food courses and, and sort of um, put them through those, that MSc dietetics course and they become a registered dietitian. The, the difficulty, the distinction I think between dietetics and, and the food science courses is this notion of registration that because this is a, a dietitian is a is a health profession mm. you in order to enter that profession you need to have a qualification that's registered for entering that profession and the food science courses aren't that they do of course so we d we have two food science courses so food science and technology and the nutrition course and both of those would equip you to become a nutritionist so this is somebody who might work with, with, with athletes or with, um, in, a, in a more general public consulting way around diet and health, but not in this formal health service dietetics role. Nutrition, the, the BSc course in nutrition is much more suited for um, becoming a nutritionist than is the food science and technology course, although both of them will do the same job. Um, the food science and technologist, however, is much more interested in understanding what's going on inside factories, where food is produced, right along, and when I say factories, I actually am thinking about the whole of the food supply chain from field to fork, if you will. And if you think about the foods that we eat generally, whether we eat you know, a diet that's based largely on whole foods or a diet that's based largely on highly processed foods, we're interacting um, our food is, 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 is moving through a complicated technological system mm. that we don't anymore um, gather nuts and seeds and berries and eat them directly. We're, you know, even if we have a very whole food-based diet, we're, we're dealing with foods that have gone through a great deal of mechanised and technological processes. And that's the field of study of the food science and technologist. So understanding how food is grown, how we promote health in, in the food that we grow, how we promote nutritional qualities in the foods that we grow, and then how the harvesting and the processing and, the, and then the um, processing into foodstuffs of that material um, preserves the, the health promotion benefits and the, the mm. nutrition benefits of the food. That's the, the, the food science and technology. So it's a lot about understanding food chemistry, about understanding nutrition, and about understanding the interactions between food and our, and our bodies and our health, but also understanding how machinery works and how we might ferment or how we might distill or, or how we might process foods. Baking, for instance, mm. is a, probably um, one of our oldest technologies 
uh, that, that makes us distinct from the animals, that we take grains, we grind them, and then we, we process them with, with, with heat and with, with leavening agents like yeasts, um, something that animals don't typically do. It's quite, a, quite an intricate technology. If you've ever baked bread, you'll know it, it's, it's quite easy for that to go wrong. <laughs> so that's quite a technological process. And if you think about all the foods that you have, when you go home this evening, you'll, you'll open your cupboards and think, oh, look, at this. there's nothing here that's come straight from the plant. Mm. Not even the tomato. You know, the tomato's been picked, it's been washed, it's been processed in, into packaging, it's got to the shelf, and it's got to your fridge or your, your veg rack. And all of those um, processes um, are, are, are subject to an understanding in order to promote the quality of those foods. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And lots of our um, applicants ask about um, animal science and welfare and right. what facilities are available right. at Teesside if you study the animal science and welfare degree. That's a good degree, the animal science and welfare. So we have, um, it, we have a, a, a really good laboratory support at Teesside for the, the study of the, uh, the, the science around animal science. So again, this is very closely aligned to biology and the biological courses that we run here. So this is about understanding how, how bodies work, how, how the biomechanics of animals work, how bodies interact with microorganisms, and all of that biology of organisms is something that we are very well equipped for studying here in our laboratories. But we also have a partnership on that degree with a local uh, agricultural college who have um, access, who give us access to studying animals um, in in their environment and interacting with animals. So those animals, for instance, um, um, so equine um, studies, so thinking about horses and interacting with horses, looking after horses, thinking about what happens when horse biology goes wrong and how we might um, bring that back to health. Um, canine um, studies also with our partner college. So again, all of those, um, all of those activities with with dogs and also agricultural animals of course cows and sheep and pigs mm. how do we look after those animals in an agricultural environment how do we promote their health how do we um, promote their reproduction and their um that their i suppose if you're rearing animals you're, you're ultimately concerned with the um with the nutritional qualities of the animal um chickens and eggs and beef and pork but also the, the health of the animal and the well-being of the animal through its husbandry on the farm. Um, so all of those studies are, are also available. So we have really good facilities with our partner college to study animals in their, in their environment. So whereabouts is that, Chris? That's, that's East Durham College. Right. Yeah, okay. so we and how, how much of the course would I be so expected to be involved in that? Because it sounds really exciting. It is exciting. You spend about a day a week right. on that site and the rest of the time here on, on the Millbrook campus. And, yeah. and what sort of employment is available for those people graduating from uh, with an animal and science welfare degree? Where, 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 the where do they typically work? Yeah, that's a good question because this is one of those degrees where it's important to make a distinction about mm. what the degree is not. Mm. And what the degree is not is a veterinary degree. Right. So it's more closely aligned with a zoology degree than with veterinary right. science. So one might find oneself working in a, in a veterinary practice as, as, a, as a support staff, so as a vet nurse, etc., with this sort of 
qualification, um, so supporting veterinary science, but, but also in more usually our graduates will work in those contexts where animals are being looked after. So this may be in um, livery stables, Right. It may be in on farms on agri in agricultural contexts where there's large amounts of animals being being um, being reared, and also in zoos and um, wildlife parks. Um, I was recently talking to a, a, an animal science and welfare graduate who was working in a lemur sanctuary. So these are those kind of like monkey-like <laughs> animals with 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 big fluffy tails, live in trees and. She was explaining to me this was sort of her dream <laughs> job. You know, she, she had a, a nice career path. She was at the fairly early portion of her career. She had a troop of lemurs to look after. Right. And <laughs> she knew that, you know, she could progress through this organisation to become ever more, um, uh, have, have an ever more responsible job looking after, um, not just looking after the lemurs, but perhaps right. looking after how, how the, the research programmes around those lemurs are run and etc. and she could see a, a, a really strong career path. So these sorts of um, animal husbandry environments mm. uh, are, are quite, actually quite, there's quite a wide range of those. Mm. But again, um, we see our graduates being highly skilled, numerate, literate graduates with a, with a variety of cross-disciplinary skills, very, very suitable for employment in a range of careers that aren't necessarily confined to the specialism mm. that is in their degree mm. title. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned um, just then, Chris, about research and development. Right. So if you were interested in having a career in research and development, what, what, what degree could you study? What would be the best degree to study? <laughs> the best degree to study for research? Yeah. Actually, there isn't a best degree to study for research. Uh, they're all good for that. And the reason that they're all good is because by the time you are a, 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 a bachelor's degree graduate, one of the um, intended outcomes of that education is that you will be capable of doing research in your chosen field. Nice. So everybody who <coughs> graduates from a degree at Teesside will have had some experience of a research environment in their field of study. And when I say some experience, I mean actually some intense experience. Mm our degrees culminate in a, in a year-long research project, right. which typically will see students working in an active research group with our um, research community at Teesside, working on a real research problem, and working on that problem in an increasingly self-directed way, so really finding their own way through, which is really the process of research, isn't mm. it, is to, mm. is to find how to ask the questions and then how to answer mm. them. So that's a, a common experience for all of our graduates is to have experienced the world of research and to be more or less suitable for that, uh, for that world at the time of graduation. So um, many of our graduates go on to study master's programmes with a focus on research and ultimately on to do PhDs and to become research academics or, or research industrialists. Right. So really the answer to the question is they're all good for research and what's the most important thing about wanting to be a researcher is studying the, the degree subject for which you have passion right. and interest. Okay, 
That's really interesting. Mm. And you mentioned obviously that that development, you know, going into sure. um, postgraduate study. Right. Um, and I know that the within the School of Health and Life Science, there are there's, there's also the the National Horizon Centre. Yes. So. Um, is there opportunity to, to study there and access the facilities there in the National Horizon Centre? Yes, there is. So the National Horizon Centre in Darlington is a really fantastic facility. In fact, it's a nationally important facility. There's some um, support uh, for research there, which is, which is, is nationally leading. Um, and our biosciences research community is highly focused in that, uh, in that establishment. We... Um, as a result of that, we, we offer opportunities to our uh, final year undergraduates where their research project is appropriately focused, then they can work um, at the NHC and, and interact with the research groups there and the energy and excitement that is the, um, the, 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 the research that's going on there. And the research cuts across a range of bioscience, broadly speaking bioscience, research activities and by broadly speaking I mean there's analytical chemistry happening at the NHC which is focused on the biology of um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling not to say of dead people right. because what I'm really got my mind on here is of the sort of um, the sort of samples that we find in the local archaeological context mm. so we have of course Hadrian's mm. Wall nearby mm. and we have research groups that are tightly focused on on understanding not just the biology of dead people from Hadrian's Wall but of, of leather samples mm. and, 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 and metallic samples from those archaeological contexts and that's at one end of the sort of spectrum of activity at the NHC and at the other end we have the high-end um, genomic research where we're really understanding for instance what's happening in the human gut what's the microbiome in the human gut and how is is that impacted by um, changes in maybe in our diet or even changes in our early history so mm. did our um, how has our early nutrition impacted our adult health through the medium of, of our gut microbiome and those questions are very difficult to answer because of course the gut microbiome is a an ecology of organisms very very complicated mm. and to understand it we need to understand the DNA and when we analyze the DNA we end up with these vast spaces of data which we need to explore using high technology computational science as well as high technology uh, analytical biology so that's all what's happening at the NHC and our, our graduates, our, our undergraduate uh, students on their final year project have the opportunity to interact with some of those research activities and ultimately if, if that excites them to carry on mm. into, into postgraduate research there. Okay. Yeah. One of the final things I want to ask you Chris right. is, is around chemistry right. and I know that the chemistry degree is, is um, accredited by the Royal Society of Chemistry. What does that mean and what does that add to, to that degree? That's a good question. So that's, it's not alone, a number of our degrees are, are accredited by, by the relevant professional mm. body. Uh, what that means is, well, the professional bodies exist for, for two reasons really, um, mainly to support the quality within the profession uh, to ensure that graduates are graduating with the right skills um, that's both the technical skills but also the professional skills so we want our chemists to know how to ethically chemist 
as well as just how to be able to mix things. What does that mean, ethically, chemists? Well, so we need to make sure that when we're doing our reactions, we're not we're not introducing unnecessary levels of harm mm. to the people who are working in those environments or to the environment more generally, for instance. So there's a sort of ethical dimension to mm. what we're doing. And we need to recognise that. And one can imagine the sort of bad old days of, of industry where those um, professional concerns were not as present, perhaps, as they are today. Mm. And the reason that we have these... Um, controlled environments for our professions today is through the activity of the of the uh, of the accrediting bodies mm. for instance the Royal Society of, of Chemistry or the Institute of Biomedical Sciences uh, and so on so that's one reason that, that that's an important feature is that we have these um, sort of quality as assessment quality assurance standards but also that the, these um, professional bodies provide a support mechanism to their members. So when you graduate from a degree that is accredited by the relevant professional body, that gives you access to membership of that professional body. And that membership brings benefits to the members. And some of those benefits are support for your professional development. So the profession will encourage you to become ever better mm. as a chemist or a biomedical scientist or a forensic scientist. And they'll support you in that. They'll support you both financially where that's appropriate, but also in terms of of the provision of material and opportunity. Um, and they also support more broadly the development of that field of activity. So the Royal Society of Chemistry, for example, is very um, actively engaged in the development of chemical science research right. and the development of chemical science education. And they play a key role in the UK in moulding and influencing the agendas for the education of chemistry and the research of chemistry. So they lobby government, they speak with government, and they, they advise government on what, what the important things are within the field. For instance, at the moment, the Royal Society of Chemistry is having a very active conversation with, with government about the impacts of microplastics on the environment and what, what we should be doing about that. The forensic um, um, society is, is, is similarly interacting with, with government about the, the understanding of the importance of, of DNA uh, evidence and, and the, mm. the, the extent to which we can trust or otherwise DNA evidence. Those are the important uh, features of the, of the societies. Yeah. Okay, that's really helpful, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for answering the questions, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome, man. It's been, it's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.